Jerome Powell and his rowdy gang of inflation fighters have raised rates yet again in the ongoing effort to rein in the rising costs, pinching our pockets more and more. On today's show, we'll talk economy, markets, and retirement in this crazy environment. We also have a very special guest, attorney Brian Less, for some real talk on estate planning and the must-have documents to protect and provide for your family. Stay tuned. We're coming in hot this Sunday afternoon. And now, Wealth Health Radio with Joe Murphy. Hey, welcome in, everybody. This is Wealth Health Radio coming in hot, just like he said. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Joe Murphy is here. Joe is an independent fiduciary uh, investment advisor representative, Murphy Wealth Management. He is a fiduciary with more than 20 years helping folks get to and through retirement. And uh, hi, Joe. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, Steve. Enjoying my Sunday. How about you, my man? Very much the same. And uh, I'm very excited. Uh, one, this first segment will be a fun one to do because we, uh, I mean, it's very current, but then also um, it's always fun to have um, an estate planning attorney. Brian Less is who we have today, and, and I've talked with him ever so briefly, but I think we're in for a good show. We're, we're in for a treat for all our radio listeners. Turn up your volume for the next couple segments because you're going to want to hear what Brian has to say. But in the meantime, speaking of turning up uh, volume on the stereo, Steve, I think I notched a, I notched a mark on the getting old uh, chart here for myself. <laughs> Go ahead. I found, I found myself driving when I was on the way to Chicago. Um, there's always construction in Indiana, and as I was approaching, there was an accident ahead and I started slowing down. And before I slowed down, I turned my car stereo down so I could see the road better. And I knew immediately <laughs> once I did it, Steve, that was it for me. I marked that notch. So I'm getting up there and, right. and definitely proving it to myself. Oh, goodness. So, um, but you made it through and, uh, you know, the volume that you turned it back up when you went beyond the accident? I did. Yeah. <laughs> and I could, then, uh, you know, I could see perfectly. So all good to go. So we're, we're here. We're ready to rock and roll. Let's talk some finance. Let's, I know you got some good stuff for well, me, Steve. We, we do, and, and in fact, you know, when when the second quarter of um, of a you know contracting uh, economy means that we are in a recession. Technically, I know there are others who are trying to uh, come up with a different definition, but one of the one of the people that we're going to hear from right now is Steve Forbes, and uh, you know he doesn't mince words; he tells it the way it is. <laughs> let's let's give a listen. Well, beauty may be in the eye of a beholder, but a recession is a recession. Mm. There's no getting around it. Two quarters straight. And uh, they may try to pretty it up, but the fact of the matter is people feel incomes are not going up as fast as prices. Uh, the economy, they don't feel, is going the way it should. There are many of them are dipping into savings. Mm -hmm. They're seeing interest rates go up, which means that they're using credit card debt. They know where that, what direction right. that's going into. If you look at housing sales, you look at some of the other economic reports, things are not very rosy right now. That's exactly right. And and I mean, he is a bit of gloom and doom there, but at the same time, he's speaking facts. He is. It's a big meatball he put out there for sure. Um, one of the things, and like I said, now we're hearing the conflict between, you know, both parties trying to figure out what an actual recession is. And I got news for everyone. It doesn't really matter what it's called. It matters how it affects us. And whether or not the GDP is saying, yes, we're in a recession or not quite yet, you know, I think we can all feel the pinch in our pocket from inflation. And we all realize, you know, some of these indicators that are coming out are positive and some are negative. You know, being the devil's advocate against Mr. Forbes, you know, there, there's three indicators, Steve, that from that GDP report that I looked at closely. And one of them is employment. You know, a telltale sign of a traditional recession is going to be a, a, a high unemployment level. And we're not there yet. Um, that doesn't mean it's not around the corner, but employment is remaining fairly robust. The other ticker that I really look at is non-defense capital goods shipment. They grew in June and continue to grow steadily. That's going to be your farm, construction, machinery, turbines, generators, heavy-duty trucks. Those things are still moving. Um, and here's the biggie, and this is the big difference of what everyone's talking about, the inventory swing. Um, a lot of people saying, no, we're not in a recession, or saying that you know the negative GDP that was reported last quarter was due to the inventory swing, and it accounts for about 2%. So that would mean that the, the gross national product actually grew by 1.1%. Again, this is semantic. 
semantics here. I think real Americans are, are facing real economic repercussions. But the thing that you really want to focus on, whether we're in it or not, or heading towards it, Steve, is credit. And I think that is the main focus that we have to look at. I know that April through June, Steve, there was 233 million new credit cards opened up. Oh you know, to maintain the, yeah, to maintain that lifestyle and go forward. The last thing that you want to do is have double digit interest rate on debt. And it looks like Americans are cruising towards that course. And that's what my main concern is. Wow. Is that a, I mean, that, that obviously was a big number. Is that something that you've seen before as far as that number is a number of new credit cards issued? Uh, I'll give you a guess when the last time that happened was during the Great Recession of 2007, <laughs> 2008. So, you know, history tends to repeat, Steve, and that's why we key in on these indicators and we really watch. I don't care what the media is saying. I don't care what one side saying over the other. I'm looking at the facts and I'm looking at history. History tends to repeat and the world happens in patterns and those patterns repeat. We want to pay close attention to indicators that helped in the past navigate through difficult conditions like this, especially when it comes to managing your investments. 800-930-5905. That's the number you can call, folks, if you'd like to sit down with Joe and uh, have the conversation. Um, well, one of the things you just said is that, it, you know, sometimes things are happening and, and we don't realize how they happen or when they happen until after they've happened. And uh, Larry Kudlow, a Fox Business host, uh, says, you know, pretty much that. The faster the Fed operates, the sooner we can get out of this. But it's going to be a painful 12 to 15 months. The economic slump in the first half of the year is a function of skyrocketing inflation. Real wages falling, real retail sales falling, manufacturing falling. Consumer confidence crashed again. It's down about 30% from a year ago with an inflation forecast of 7.6% for the uh, next 12 months. I happen to agree with that very much. Look, the first quarter was down 1.6%. Today's is down 1.2%. But I don't care. It could be plus one or minus one. We are in a recession. Every economist knows that. And it's going to get worse. So, I mean, again, well, a little bit of gloom and doom, too, but at the same time, he makes sense um, and, you know, about the economy and what's happening with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look at the consumer spending right now. Look what's going on with that, Steve. During the pandemic, what everyone wanted, their Gucci pajamas, you know, they wanted the goods. That's really what was skyrocketing during the pandemic. And now that we're out and about, the services are really flying. And that's what people are spending money on. They're out and about. They want, you know, they want to go out to take their family out to dinner or do things out and about. And that's really the shift of what we're seeing right now from goods to services. But is it doom and gloom right now? No, but it depends on how many Americans are outliving their income or not outliving their income, but outspending their income. And that's the big thing that we have to focus on is, are you making your lifestyle adjustments based on what you're bringing in? Has your income fallen? Are you putting that extra lifestyle expense on your credit cards? Are you dipping into savings? That's what we want to focus on. And again, the doom and gloom by all these forecasters is to create a little panic, to create a little bit uneasiness, you know, and maybe that gets some Americans to pay attention and create a plan. And one of the biggest plans in a threat of a recession, whether we're in it or not, is to make sure that debt is paid down. And this is a great time to talk to a financial advisor and say, look, you know, I'm not sure if I can make it. Can you help me with this? This is what we do. I love looking at budgets. I love making things balanced. That's where we come in is we can make sure that you're not creating a dangerous situation for yourself down the road by putting things on the old credit card and then having a variable interest rate that could be upwards of loan shark rates by the time the federal funds rate is done raising to fight inflation. These are the things that we want to account for, Steve. Absolutely. And what do we do to, to defend that? What does a retiree do? Well, the retiree, look, recessions are going to affect people on a fixed income, which is our retirees, and the lower income. That's really what's getting clobbered right now. You know, if you're paycheck to paycheck and prices keep going up, guess what? You got a problem. So how do you cover that shortfall? A lot of people that are in that retirement red zone, Steve, they might push off retiring for maybe a year till we get on more stable ground or maybe two years or wherever it is. But if you're a retiree and you're on a fixed income, this is where maybe that size Side hustle comes in. The other thing that you want to do is pay close attention to how your investments are managed. You know, that double digit loss that we've had in all the major indexes has been scary. But guys, 
that's there's no there's no floor here. You know, it could get a lot, lot worse. Everyone's all fired up with this technical bounce. But what if it gets worse? Managing your investments and having a plan is critical in an environment like this. We've got one more piece of sound, and I, and I sure. like this one. It's it's Mohammed El Aran, and I know you are familiar with him. He's a one smart guy. Um, yeah. Talking about economic stability in the U.S. This is an economy that's weakening at a much faster rate than most people expected. That's the bottom line. Whether we're in recession or not is not as interesting as the fact that we are weakening really fast. Yes, inflation is going to come down at a headline level, but it's not going to come down fast enough given how fast the economy is weakening. And that's going to put the Fed in the same dilemma it's been in for the last few months. So again, the economy is weakening. And, you know, he, he makes the comparison that, that you know, recession, inflation, it's, it's about the economy. Yeah, it is. Look, and, and I'll add to that. Um, look at the rapid weakening of the European and Chinese economy. I mean, th those, I mean, that absolutely bodes against the strong U.S. rebound, especially when it comes to export, Steve. But what you look at on the flip side, and this is where the optimism in me is, if commodity prices keep coming down further, that's going to ease some pressure on consumers. So there's a lot of acceleration, deceleration. There's a lot of different indicators going on. But if you're sitting there and you're not sure if you're going to make it month to month, this is the time that you want to get a plan together. This is your time. You can't do it after the fact. You can't go in and say, oh, I wish I would have done this. Your time is now to get a plan. And just so happens, we can help you with that. 800-930-5905. In fact, Joe, we are coming up on the end of the segment. Let's go ahead and invite folks to call and claim those spots on your calendar. Absolutely. And I know these 10 go quick every week. So if you're driving down the road, make sure you're in a safe spot before you pick up that phone and dial our number. And if you're one of the next 10 callers with at least $250,000 saved for retirement, we are going to custom design an easy to understand financial review that's going to indicate if you are in need of a full-blown retirement plan. There is absolutely no cost or obligation for our radio listeners, but guys, you got to call in right now. This analysis will include a fee report and a portfolio risk assessment. That's going to untangle the cost of your current advisor and help you understand how much risk you're taking with your investments. Guys, that's so important at these levels. Next, we're going to include a tax analysis to determine if we can reduce your overall tax burden and increase your cash flow. That's going to put more money in your pocket instead of good old Uncle Sam. And then finally, guys, we're going to create that customized lifetime income plan using proven strategies and techniques that can electrify your retirement income for the rest of your life. Let us help you take the guesswork out of retirement planning. I know these 10 spots fly off the shelf every week, Steve. Give our listeners that magic number to call. 800-930-5905. Get that financial roadmap put together. Just what we've been talking about. Joe and his team really understand the, the situation that we're in and can help you get through it. It's an excellent chance to get a true practical financial review. So if you're listening, again, give us a call. 800 930-5905. 10 callers right now gets that comprehensive financial review. There's no cost. There's no obligation. And when you walk out the door, you will have in your hand that roadmap, that guide that can help get you to where you need to be when it comes to retirement. 800-930-5905. 800-930-5905. Gallup's latest polling found that slightly less than half of all U.S. adults in this country have a will in place. Coming up next, we have a state planning attorney attorney Brian Less for some valuable insight on estate planning basics and elder law coming up next. are back on Wealth Health Radio with Joe Murphy. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Joe, of course, is a fiduciary independent uh, investment advisor representative. More than 20 years been helping folks. And one of the things that uh, Murphy Wealth Management is, is a, essentially a one-stop shop. They talk about estate planning. And I know that this isn't necessarily everybody's favorite uh, topic, but I'll tell you what, Brian Less, who is here with us today, uh, makes it uh, pretty interesting. I promise you that. Uh, and Brian is here today with uh, breaking down some of the, the complex world of estate planning. Uh, let our listeners in on some of the behind the scenes thoughts um, and really about how we can achieve the estate plan that we that we really need. Uh, if you want to learn more about Brian, uh, Brian 
brianelesslaw.com, brianelesslaw.com. I'll tell you what, I'll put a link to that in the podcast uh, if you want to uh, get a direct link. Uh, and again, so welcome, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Very, very well. Excited to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, Thank it, you very much for having me. It, it's interesting, Steve, and I'm so glad to have Brian on board here. And, you know, Brian has been a, an incredible resource to our firm in collaborating with different different clients. But overall, just for our radio, radio listeners, to give a, a quick intro on Brian, he's been practicing estate planning and elder law in Northwest Indiana for well over 20 years. This guy's got some experience. He works with individuals and families of every dimension. Brian's in the business of wealth transfer, and my goodness gracious, we're so lucky to be able to tap his knowledge regularly to help our clients here. Brian's a former contract attorney for the Indiana Family and Social Service Administration. Some of our radio listeners might know that as AKA Medicaid uh, on that side. I mean, what a wealth of knowledge that is. Brian has experience on the other side, which is exactly what you want in the attorney drafting a plan to protect your family. Brian and his firm have a nice little run going. They're voted as the best in the region in 2021 and again in 2022, a repeat. Brian Les, my good friend and planning collaborator, welcome to the show. So thank you so much for taking part of your day to spend with us, buddy. Welcome. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Great oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Glad that you're here and, and enjoying some of this Sunday with us, Brian. Um, one of the things that I, I wanted to talk to you about, I know our radio listeners are going to want to hear about this, is when it comes to estate planning, you had a term, and I don't want to steal your thunder, um, about about the the what estate planning really means and what the ultimate goal is um, for estate planning. And the way that you put it, just painted a picture for me, and I'd like you to paint that picture for our radio listeners. What really is the ultimate goal of estate estate planning? Well, estate planning is essentially wealth transfer. So what you do, Joe, you will, you do wealth growth. What I do, what Brian does is wealth transfer. How do we get the money to the next generation or to whomever you want it to? Uh, there's lots of tools to do that. We use wills, we use trusts, we use life insurance, we use life insurance trusts, we do all kinds of stuff. Uh, and we use lots of contingencies within that. But essentially, wealth transfer is what we're trying to do when we put together an estate plan. And a subset of that is what we would call elder law. Elder law is, as a subset of wealth transfer, how do we keep the money away from the long-term care facility? How do we keep it away from the nursing home, in other words, and get it to the people that you want it to go to? Everybody walks down a path. Everybody's path is different. And almost nobody that I've ever come into contact with has a path that's absolutely straight. And they just walk down it and they fall off the end, boom, and that's it. Most people's paths that I know zigzag and do all kinds of crazy things. And we want to make sure we have contingencies to do that. But estate planning, when you really boil it down, is nothing more than wealth transfer. How do we get the assets to whomever you want it to? And when I say whomever you want it to, that's because a lot of people don't give it to their kids. A lot of people don't give it to their grandkids. Some people give it to their church. Some people... Uh, give it to the Northern Illinois uh, Golden Retriever Rescue Association, which <laughs> oh, uh, there's only one reason. There's only one reason I would know that organization exists. So you can fill in your own blank, but um, you know it happens, and families are very different, and every family has a different story to tell, and that's why when you do these things, and when you look at wealth transfer, just like Joe, you look at wealth growth, you want to craft something that's independent from everybody else and that does the job that a certain uh, client wants to be done and needs to be done. I think that's a really good point that you bring up, Brian, especially, like I said, you know, we, we see a lot of different families, a lot of different clients and, and just all over the board. And I don't think I've ever sat with a client where it was completely, you know, linear and it was a straight line and it would just made sense. Boom, boom, boom. Life never happens like that. It's just not realistic. Um, and that's why having right. an estate planner with that type of experience that understands, okay, look, you know, life can throw curveballs. Things might not be exactly the way that you read about in, in the news paper, you know, everything can be a little bit different, but you can adapt to that. And one of the things that you said to me that really, I, I, I'll never forget it is the goal of the estate planning is to bounce your last check. I love that. I mean, to well, me, that's just absolutely perfect. It, it can be the goal of your estate plan. Yes. <laughs> you don't really need an estate plan if you're going to do that. Gonna, if your last check's <laughs> going to bounce, 
um, you know, that came out of the story of somebody was in my office and they had brought their sister and I looked at their sister who was uh, quite wealthy. And I said, do you have an estate plan? She said, I don't need an estate plan. Well, why not? Well, uh, my last check's going to bounce. Great idea. <laughs> I would say if you're in your seventies and you want to travel and you want to spend all your money, you know, God bless you, go spend all your money. Yep. Fire it up. It's really interesting when it comes to estate planning. A lot of people, you know, you you start talking about, you know, the wealth transfer and creating a plan, a legacy plan for that family and future generations. And and sometimes, you know, people know exactly what they want. Sometimes they don't. But we we always get, you know, obviously we're not attorneys here at this firm, but we get a lot of clients that come in and we get a lot of misconceptions, some common misconceptions that we see that people have out there. And I wanted you to take a little time to address address um, some of the common misconceptions or things that you've seen that kind of are off base that maybe we can correct our radio listeners and just say, hey, this is the way it really is. Um, if you could just go over a couple here, Brian, and just explain some of the common things that you see come through your office that are like, you know, that's not the way it is. And you can you can let people know the, the real deal. Well, there's a couple of things that right off the bat come to mind. The first one is something that uh, I heard recently again on the news. Uh, Prince, who passed away, I think, four and a half years ago, uh, they finally finished up his probate estate and the national media came back and said, well, he needed to be in probate because he didn't have a will. Well, that's not true. You need to be in probate. You need to be in, you need to be in probate whether you have a will or whether you don't have a will. A will basically equals probate if, in fact, you need the will. A lot of people prepare a will and they don't need it because they've uh, transferred their assets in other ways, either joint accounts or beneficiary designations or whatever. But not having a will doesn't mean you're in probate. And having a will uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're in probate. But you can be in probate whether you have a will or you don't. In order to use a will, a will is nothing more than instructions to a court and a judge. Dear judge, I want you to appoint uh, my eldest son or daughter as my executor, marshal all the assets, do all those wonderful things, and then uh, and then transfer all the assets to my three kids in the northern Indiana or Illinois Golden Retriever Society. That's probate. That's a probate process. So having a will is, in fact, in order to use it, it has to be probated. A judge has to actually get an executor out there and, and make it happen. One of the other real common misconceptions that I hear is regarding a power of attorney. Power of attorney, I get people come in and say, yeah, mom died, but I'm power of attorney. Well, a power of attorney does nothing for you once the principal dies. Uh, a power of attorney in its essential sense says that here are the things that, that I can do for myself that I'm going to allow you to do as my attorney, in fact, as the person I name is my power of attorney. Well, what can you do when you're dead? Nothing. You're dead. So your power of attorney dies with you. So having a power of attorney doesn't help at all once you're gone. Um, the other misconception that happens a lot is hey, I'm looking for a living will. Well, a living will is uh, a generic term, the term living will, and it's in every state. Every state has a living will uh, statute. And when we roll around to Indiana, I don't know what Illinois does, but in Indiana, a living will is neither really for the living nor is it a will at all. It doesn't give anybody anything. A living will simply is an advanced directive regarding nutrition and hydration. It says that you're dying and there's no hope and a doctor certifies that you have any curable disease or illness and your death is imminent. You're not sitting up in bed eating a hamburger or drinking a Coke and talking about, hey, it's been nice knowing you guys. Bye. That's not, that's not what's happening. It's all over. We just don't know when. And a living will in Indiana deals with nutrition, hydration. Do you want it or not under those circumstances? So those are really the three most basic misconceptions, and we haven't talked at all about trust or anything like that, but the, the three biggies is a will, if you have a will, you avoid probate. No, a will is probate. There are other ways of avoiding probate, and you need to have a will no matter what, whether you use it or not as a backup plan. Uh, the other thing is a power of attorney, and then the third would be a living will. Those are the three most common misconceptions I get. Well, I think on that note, we should uh, probably slide into a break here, Joe. And uh, Brian, I mean, uh, this has been great stuff. I want to pick it up on the other side, though. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And guys, this week only, we have a very special offer for our next 10 callers into the studio. If you're listening today and you don't have a will or an estate planning documents to protect yourself, your family, and your wishes, today is your day to put the ball back in your court so you make the decisions and not some stranger. Already have a plan, but it's been five or 10 years since we looked at it. It's time for a review. If you're one of the next 10 callers, we will provide an estate planning assessment or review in order to understand your overall situation and determine if you are in need of these important legal documents or more advanced planning advisement. We don't know what tomorrow holds, so don't wait. The time to get this done is now. Brian has very limited time slots available, but he's created some openings just for our radio listeners here on AM560. If you do not get through to the studio and Steve opens up the lines here in a second, leave your name and phone number and we'll reach out on Monday to schedule your assessment. Don't hesitate, guys. These 10 spots are going to go quick this week. Ready with the magic number, Steve? You got it, Joe. And again, what a fantastic offer. This is something that, you know, as, as many times as we have worked together, Joe, I think this is one of the first times we've ever had estate planning as a, as a main topic. And take advantage of this one, folks. 800-930-5905. You heard Joe. 10 callers right now will get exactly what Joe described. And there's no cost. There's no obligation. 800-930-5905. That's 800-930-5905. Coming up next, more estate planning talk with Brian Less. Are back on Wealth Health Radio. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Joe Murphy, of course, is here. And joining us today is Brian Less, and uh, he is an estate planning attorney. You can find his website, Brian E. Less, L E S S Law.com. Brian E. Less Law.com. Check out that website. I think you'll be impressed, folks. And, and again, uh, I was just talking with Brian off the air, Joe, and, and uh, <laughs> was saying, well, I don't want to get too far into the weeds. And I said, well, I think you can sort of get to the edge of the weeds because I think people really need to hear this. And once they start to hear it, they really glom onto it and understand, oh, this is important. Oh, I think so. I mean, just meeting with with clients like, remember, Steve, I get to retire three, four times a day. So I meet with all different types of folks. And <laughs> one of the things that usually gets put off on the back burner is the estate planning. Um, you really just don't realize how important it is until you're in a situation like a crisis where, you know, God forbid you become incapacitated or a family member and you're trying to deal and get things done um, without this important paperwork. And that's where, you know, attorneys like Brian come in is they help protect, they help make sure that you can get done what you need to get done. One of the main things that we always push for our clients to make sure that they have, and I know Brian's probably going to chime in here and give us a lowdown on it, is the advanced healthcare directives. Brian, I know that you probably set up a lot of these. Can you just give our radio listeners kind of a background on why that's important? And, and I know there's been some recent changes as of July 1st. If you could just outline that for our radio listeners so they can understand why this is important and one very mandatory document that you want to have in place. Well, not only is that a mandatory document, but wills are mandatory, power of attorney is mandatory, healthcare power of attorney, or uh, now what they call is call it as an advanced directive for healthcare decisions, also known as the ADHD, which is, is not a lot of forethought to our, our friends down in Indianapolis <laughs> who put that acronym out there, unfortunately. But a, a healthcare power of attorney, or rather an advanced directive for healthcare, uh, for healthcare decisions, it really isn't necessarily an advanced directive at all. You can hard code these days all of your decisions, all of the decisions you want to make regarding your healthcare into it, but I really don't do that. My advanced directive for healthcare decisions, I really use as a straight healthcare power of attorney healthcare POA in order to make sure that uh, somebody is going to make the choices for you, your healthcare choices, when you cannot make them. Obviously, we look at documents that are going to last for the next 20 or 30 years. That's that's my planning horizon. And we want to make sure, sure, the, the spouse is always going to be listened to by the doctor. The doctor's always going to want to talk to the spouse, et cetera, et cetera. But you've got four kids out, out there, two of them who care, two, one of them who 
who knows better and one of them who doesn't care and just wants the money. And they're not going to make necessarily the same or the best healthcare decisions for you. And if you don't choose somebody, uh, that's not necessarily a great idea because 20 or 30 years from now, you might be the surviving spouse and you're going to be the one who's going to be uh, uh, in trouble healthcare wise. And somebody's going to have to make those decisions for you. And you want to pick one or one at a time or in series. If you don't do that, and you pick, you know, two of your kids to be the healthcare uh, uh, power of attorney people. Then, if they disagree, then what happens? Well, we're back to nobody's going to make a decision. So, in our case, what we ended up doing is, uh, you know, let people go into the room, beat each other up. One guy comes out, you know, bloody and bruised, but he's <laughs> carrying the the healthcare power of attorney, the advanced director for healthcare decisions. He says, "Nope, I'm it. This is it, and this is what we're going to do." <laughs> okay. Well, why don't we hard code in our office? Why don't we hard code into these documents what are what our uh, our true advanced directives are? What we direct in advance? Well, we don't do that because, in my philosophy, I believe number one, we're looking at long term. Number two, if we're looking at long term, things change. You can't really do an advanced directive that says, "Okay, if I get this type of stage three cancer." Uh, and I'm at the Cleveland Clinic, then I want this or I want that. You can't really put everything under the sun in there as far as a, as a, as a choice. The other idea here is people's views change. So you might decide when you're 60 and healthy for your healthcare directive that, hey, you know, if I get cancer, forget it, I'm, I'm done if I have stage four cancer. But if you're 80, um, and you're living your best life at 80 and you're, you know, at Cleveland Clinic or wherever, you might not have the same opinions anymore. And finally, the status of medicine changes. So 500 years ago, if you were to do an advanced directive for healthcare uh, and you'd gotten that infected toe, you'd be like, you know, pull the plug, man. That, that, you die of that infected toe, we're really in trouble. <laughs> Uh, and now, obviously, that's it, ludicrous. You would never do that. So medicine changes. So why would you ever want to hard code all of your decisions in there? Um, the, basically the basic change in the law that happened July 1st is they put, um, allowed you to put in all kinds of different types of decisions into your advanced director for healthcare decisions. We've been doing those exact same um, types of, of allowances for years in our documents. And again, we don't hard code anything in there. The best thing to do with a healthcare directive is to make sure that whoever is going to ultimately be the person, be it your spouse, most people know what their spouse's thoughts are because most spouses feel the same way about things, but letting their kids know, letting their, the people who are going to make these decisions really know exactly what their philosophy is. If, there's a, if their philosophy is in general, if it's all over for me, let it all be over. Okay, that's a philosophy. Now, no matter what the situation is, if you cannot make healthcare decisions for yourself and number one son is doing it or number one daughter is doing it, they're going to say, you know what, dad didn't want this or mom didn't want this uh, under these types of circumstances. She told me, you know, I don't, if it's going to be too painful or too painful to watch or whatever the situation is, we, we just want to be done, then that's fine. If that's not your philosophy, my father, who passed away last year, in 91, his philosophy was, um, don't ever take me off of anything, put me, you know, hook me up to everything and, and just, you know, whatever, cryo-freeze me when it's all over just in case. Um, that, that, that's what his philosophy was. And we all understood that. And uh, that's why he went to 91, because we cryo-froze him for 10 years. <laughs> no, we didn't. Oh, that's awesome. Anyway. <laughs> that was a, an awesome explanation. Um, on the advanced directives, one question that I do have um, is, with all these estate planning documents, you have your will. Uh, we didn't even touch on trusts yet, but those are really important. Um, POAs, how often should you, like you get all your documents set up. I'm sure we have radio listeners out there that have done an estate plan in the past or maybe have some of these documents. When should you be reviewing this stuff? Obviously, if there's what, a major life change, how often do you suggest a review on the overall situation when it comes to legacy and estate planning? Well, obviously you hit on if there's a major life change, any kind of cardinal change in your life, a death in the family, you know, somebody you don't want to get your money anymore, anything that's that's really important like that, you definitely want to seek an advisor to, to help you navigate that. The other side of it is really every five years. I look at 
wills and even trusts that have come into my office that are five years old that that other people have written or they get them on legal zoom or wherever they're going to get them and they just don't do what they need them to do and partly it's because some people some attorneys just look at things as i have a standard trust and this is my trust and it doesn't matter whether you um, are getting older whether your spouse has some type of disease that might create a problem and you're going to be looking after them for a long period of time. Um, all those things really have to come into play. And in, in my office, we really suggest you look at things every five years. And at that point, we're going to overlay what your personal situation is, what your thoughts are, what your goals are, and put together a plan that um, really is custom designed for you with all the contingencies that I have ever thought of or have ever seen or anybody else has ever thought of uh, in the history of of making trusts. And the reason why I do that is um, it doesn't really matter that much to me how many pages your trust is, as long as you don't have to take that trust and drag it off back into court and have a judge right. interpret something. So the more you have in there, the more contingencies you have in there, the better off you're going to be. And if five years previously you did a trust with somebody who um, maybe, and I don't mean to sound difficult with people, but you know, any good personal injury attorney can draft a trust for you and do estate <laughs> planning. Your neighbor down the street, that's a, you know, that's a transactional attorney. He can, he can prepare a trust for you. That's great, but that's not really taking into account your personal situation, your needs and your goals and um, what's going to happen to you over the next 20 years. And that's one of the things that we do very consistently. Yeah, it's customly tailored towards the towards the client, and that's that's why we love doing business with your firm, Brian, and and sending our clients over to you as well for some of the advanced planning that you offer. It's all customly tailored to their situation, and you just can't beat that. You know, cookie cutter doesn't work with financial advisement with investing, and it certainly does not work when it comes to estate planning. And, and again, every family's, I'm sorry, every family's different. Um, families are not perfect. I have yet to find the perfect family. Um, if people come in and say their family's perfect and then, you know, an hour into the conversation, yeah, but little Timmy, man, he, he married Janie and, you know, this is her fourth marriage and we're really not sure and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there are no perfect families. There are no perfect people. We can, uh, we can look at our families and say they're as perfect as they're ever going to get. And now we work around that and try and, you know, create a plan that makes sense for them. And we still yeah. have fun at Thanksgiving. And we still have fun <laughs> at Thanksgiving. That's right, Steve. You know, you got to get this stuff done for the family. And guys, look, you know, we're obviously talking to a, a very good estate planning attorney in terms. And, you know, he's laying it out there so we can understand how important this is to protect your family. You know, you don't get a second chance. If time passes you by and you, God forbid, pass away, your family's left stuck picking up the pieces. This is your time is right now to get a head start and to get that start of planning going for you and your family. As part of that, you talk to people as they're dealing with retirement in, the, in most times. But in my experience, I want to see people even earlier than that. I want to see people when they're in their 30s. I want to see people when they have two kids, okay. uh, two little kids. I want to see people, you know, as, as their goals and needs change. There is no, you know, what is the best time to do an estate plan before you die? So if you haven't died yet, now is a great time to do an estate plan. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. Let's go I ahead and invite it. some folks to call. Joe, what do you think? Absolutely, guys. And, and, and you just heard what Brian said right there. The best time to do this is now. So if you're one of the next 10 callers, we're going to provide an estate planning assessment or review in order to understand your overall situation and determine if you are in need of these important legal documents or even more advanced planning advisement. Don't know what tomorrow holds, so don't wait. The time to get this done is now. I know Brian has limited time slots available, but he's created some openings for our listeners on AM560. If you don't get through to the studio when Steve opens up the lines here in a second, just leave your name and number and we're going to reach out to you on Monday to schedule your assessment. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. These 10 spots are going to go quick. Ready with that magic number, Steve? 800-930-5905. 800-930- 5905. When we come back, more with state planning attorney Brian Less right after this.
Hey, we're back on Wealth Health Radio with Joe Murphy. I'm consumer advocate Steve Siddall. Joining us today, estate planning attorney Brian Less, uh, learning an awful lot today about estate planning. And what we're going to get into this segment, I think, is really, really important. Uh, well, it's all important, but this, I think, will be, I think this will strike a chord, right, Joe? I, I think so, too. And it's something, you know, Brian and I were talking off air and, and, and talk actually frequently about this is one of the things that we see and in, in statistically we see is is the onset of, you know, early onset of dementia and Alzheimer. And no one wants to talk about this stuff. No one wants to look at this. No one wants to plan for this until it actually happens. And then, you know, it all hits the fan and you're not sure what to do, how to do it. And I know, you know, Brian's been seeing families and seeing a little bit more of this. We've been seeing it on our end. And I wanted Brian just to kind of lay that out there and talk a little bit about his experience with with this and what we can do um, for our families to help protect or at least help facilitate an easier path so we can focus on the emotion of supporting our loved ones. So Brian, I know you I know this is a touchy subject with most of our radio listeners and I know you have to deal with this pretty much probably on a weekly basis. How do you how do you deal with this with your clients? What are you seeing out there? Well, to, to start, everybody's different. So there's there's yep. not one plan, but sure. uh, I am seeing, and I don't know what it is, too many bologna sandwiches when we were in our 30s, uh, too many <laughs> processed foods, but I, I'm seeing, and I don't mean to make light of it at all, but I have at least a half a dozen clients this year who have come in with a spouse that has early onset dementia. And early onset dementia is something that's happening um, to people in their early or early to mid 60s. Um, most people, most families are taking care of their spouses because it's a, it's a, a low slope. In other words, things are happening gradually. Um, they're taking care of their spouses at home. So we're not talking too much upfront about elder care and things like that, but from the financial side and how do we protect things? Um, we do do a lot of trust when it comes to that, but I want people out there to understand that if this is something that you're going through, you need to start planning. You need to start moving assets over. Um, if your spouse that has early onset dementia is not able to handle the checkbook anymore, uh, when they're to that stage, if they're not able to handle their own affairs anymore, then you need to handle them uh, for them. And the way to do that is typically move all the assets over to you, do a trust, and then uh, do some really interesting things uh, just in case something happens to you. Statistically, if you've been caring for a spouse, uh, whether you're 80 years old or you know whether you're in your 60s, uh, and I'm sure it's a little bit different if you're younger, but if you've been caring for a spouse, really caring for a spouse, you know, getting them up in the morning, changing their clothes, showering them, feeding them, all of this wonderful stuff um, that you're doing for them, if you've been doing it for five years, uh, your chance of passing away before your spouse is about 70%. So wow. we want to make sure that we plan for what's going to happen if you if you die first. And that's really, really important. And, you know, I like I said, I've got about six or maybe eight clients this year who have come to my office with this issue. It's only August. Um, <laughs> I've never had that happen before. I've never had so many come in one year. And I don't know if it's an epidemic. I don't know. We can all decide what that's from, but nobody really cares once we get there. Um, but we want to make sure that we start planning. And yeah. the earlier you can plan, the more time you're going to have psychologically and actually to just take care of your spouse and not have to worry about these things. Yeah, I think you, you really hit the nail on the head there, Brian, is is planning. You know, it, it all comes, look you can help ease a situation just by having the things in place to, to help protect, to help facilitate. One of the things that, you know, we're seeing the same things. And one of the things that we're doing is we're really for younger and younger clients. Now we're looking at uh, long-term care situations with, with insurance, um, critical care. You know, we're trying to cover that because it's happening earlier and earlier. Um, and like I said, it really doesn't, it really doesn't hit home until it affects your, your, your family. And then you're in the situation by that, then, like I said, you're planning on the fly, which I think Brian can probably attest to planning ahead is going to be a little bit easier than planning in the situation. Is that correct, Brian? Absolutely. You want to make sure that you have your ducks in a row. Um, most of these folks are going into their mid-60s. Once they get to 65, they're going to be eligible for Medicaid as long as medically um, they can uh, they can reach those uh, particular issues. And uh, financially, we want to make sure that 
uh, all of the assets are on the other side of the ledger. They're on the community spouse's side of the ledger. And um, at that point, then there's there's hope. There's programs that uh, will allow people to come out to the house and help. You don't necessarily have to put your spouse into a nursing home. There's what they call waiver programs in Indiana, which are great. The part that's waived is your requirement to be in a nursing home in order <laughs> to be on Medicaid. So we still have the same issues that we have to get past with a waiver program than with somebody who's full on going to be uh, in long-term nursing care. Um, but if we plan ahead, we've got a head start on these things and it might be a little bit less expensive in the long run. And it's going to be a little bit less tumultuous for sure in the long run. Brian, can you talk a little bit about, and we'll stick to our guns here with, in Indiana, can you talk a little bit about the five-year look back period in Indiana and what that means if you're in this situation for the assets and income that you currently have with your spouse, if this happens? Sure. So when we talk about elder law and we talk about nursing home asset protection planning, what we're going to do is we have two options. We have crisis planning, and that's not what we're talking about. Crisis planning, hey, you know, mom needs to go into a nursing home now. What we're really right. talking about is pre-need planning. Pre-need planning, we use a specific type of trust that not a lot of attorneys prepare around here, uh, or even in Indiana, called the Medicaid Asset Protection Trust. It's a very, very technical trust. Uh, it's not something we do every day, but if we can get the chance to do it, we definitely do it, because as long as assets remain in this trust throughout the Medicaid look back period, which is five years. As long as it's been in there, it's been transferred for more than five years, these assets will become non-countable for Medicaid eligibility. And they're also not touchable for Medicaid estate recovery. There are two prongs to Medicaid uh, eligibility. Great. Everybody knows you can keep one house and one car, all that wonderful stuff. But when you die, if you die and you still have those assets, Medicaid will open an estate on behalf of the state of Indiana. They will um, take your house, sell it, pay back every penny Medicaid paid on your behalf and leave your heirs with nothing. So a look back period for five years deals with eligibility for Medicaid. And if you are in your late 60s or early 70s and in good health, in other words, you've got five years, and this is the hardest conversation I have with people in, in my practice. You know, I look at people who are in great health that might be 70 years old and say you need or you ought to take a look at a Medicaid Asset Protection Trust and throw your $400,000 house in there and um, the million dollars you know you're never going to get to because you just told me you're never going to get to it and you want to give it to your, you know, to your kids, Timmy and Johnny and Janie. Okay, right. well, great. If you're going to do that, let's put it here and hold it for five years and then it's a, a non-countable asset for eligibility for Medicaid. And by doing that, uh, I get the conversation back that, well, I feel great. Okay. How are you going to feel in five years? Well, probably still great. Great. How are you going to feel five years after that? Well, I don't know, you know, I'll be in my early eighties, right? You have to do this while you're feeling okay enough where you believe you're not going to need long-term nursing home care for five years. And that's a really hard conversation to have. And that's really the gist of the five-year look-back period. Well, thank you. I mean, that that's, especially with the recapture with with Medicaid, you know, we, we've seen people go through that process here at our firm. It is not a fun process. And and I'm willing to bet that the, the Medicaid uh, recovery uh, people do not uh, leave any stone unturned when it comes to transactions and assets. Pretty sure they're going to they're gonna look at everything, correct? Well, I've, it, that's very correct. In fact, I was part of that program <laughs> as a contract attorney for about 15 yep. years and um, basically co collected millions of dollars for Medicaid. And it's because people didn't either listen to their attorneys or their attorneys didn't listen to the people that they should be listening to in order to do things correctly. And um, the only difference is I really made sure that the state uh, didn't get one penny more than they ever could. And I spent a large part of my time doing hardship applications for people. Uh, and it got to the point where they, you know, if I, if I handed them a hardship application, they would look at me and say, hey, it's just, is there a hardship? Yes. <laughs> okay, here's the stamp. But um, it is a real, real unnerving process when the state comes in and uh, takes, takes mom's house. Now, if there's a spouse, clearly that's not going to happen. They're not going to do right. that if there's, a, if there's a surviving spouse. 
they're not going to do that if there's a, a there are several other exceptions to that. Um, if you've been a caretaker for at least two years uh, for mom before she went into the nursing home, um, there are lots of other exceptions to that. But in general, the state of Indiana collects probably about, I would guess, 20 to $25 million a year from people who were on Medicaid and died with assets still wow. in their name. Yeah. And that's yes. going to, that's going to turn your world upside down if you're in that process. And well, and if you're an heir, yeah. if you're yeah. an heir and you're just, if you're just an heir that never, you know, matriculated, never got off the couch, never helped. And you just think you're going to move into mom's house now that she's gone, you got another thing coming. I mean, that's going to be a real, that's going to be a real fight on your hands and you might, you might win it, but the chance of you winning it is, is, significantly less than if you planned ahead. Yeah. So I think you've illustrated the point, Brian, for sure, that planning ahead is the way to go. And, you know, we don't know what, what life's going to throw at us. So sitting down with someone competent, and one of the things that Amber always says when we're talking about a, attorneys is, you know, sometimes the other side makes the best. And if we're looking at, you know, a prosecuting attorney that becomes a defense attorney, you know, they usually make the best defense attorneys because they understand the other side. Man, I learned a lot today. How about you, Steve? Did oh you learn gosh, a little bit yeah. today? No, I learned a lot today. Yes. Yeah. This, as always. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So Brian, I appreciate it. And like I said, if you guys are driving down the street and you're like, wait a minute, you know what? I need to get this done. Pick up the phone. Give us a call. Let us know. And no matter if you already have a plan or you're just looking at starting getting a, an estate plan together, we don't know what tomorrow holds. So don't wait. The time to get this done is now. I know Brian has very limited time slots available, guys, but he's created some openings just for our listeners on this station. If you do, if you do get through to the studio and Steve open up, opens up the lines here in a second, just leave your name and number and we're going to reach out to you on Monday to get that assessment scheduled. So don't hesitate. Don't wait. I don't know how many of these 10 spots we're going to have left. I know they're going to go quick. Steve, give our listeners that magic number to call for this valuable analysis. 800-930-5905. 800-930-5905. Take advantage of it. We've got a few spots left on the calendar. Let's go ahead and make that call while you're thinking of it. 800-930-5905. Well, Joe, this has been fun. Brian, a pleasure to meet you, and I look forward to a next Thank visit. Thank you. Same here. Same here. It's been great. Yep. Thank you for joining us, Brian. And like I said, look, guys, this was a this was an awesome opportunity to get some insight from a guy that does it every day. You know, I get to retire three or four times a day. Brian gets to build estate plans like that. So this is definitely an opportunity. Thank you guys for listening. Excited to talk to you guys all again next week. Content of this radio show is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any type of securities. Joe Murphy, MWM Advisory Group, and Murphy Wealth Management are not responsible for the consequences of any decisions or actions taken as a result of the information provided in this radio show and do not warrant or guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information provided. The information discussed today reflects the views of Joe Murphy and his guests as the date of this show and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any forward-looking statements or forecasts are based on the assumptions and actual results may vary from such statements or forecasts. No reliance should be placed on any statements or forecasts when making any investment decision. Accordingly, listeners should not rely solely on the information provided today in making any investment decision. There is a risk of loss from investing in securities, including the risk of loss of principal. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will be profitable or suitable for a particular investor's financial situation or risk tolerance. Asset allocation and portfolio diversification cannot assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses. 